All right. Good evening, y'all. We're going to start in about a minute for our live. Let's give people a couple more minutes. We are going live across multiple platforms again tonight. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Riverside, and TikTok. So join us wherever is convenient for you. All right. So, guys, it is 11 o'clock. We are officially live for Yin Yang, the podcast, episode 11, The Importance of Mental Health. So tonight's kind of a more serious topic than usual. I'm sure that you're going to get some laughs out of us still, though. It's just kind of who we are as people. Um, <laughs> so no frets. You'll still get to laugh. But it is kind of a serious topic. But it's a topic that definitely needs to be had, especially as close to the holidays. So... Um, we're going to go ahead and play our disclosure TikTok. You may or may not be able to hear this disclosure. Um, so just listen carefully for our disclosure, please. All right, so now the disclosure's out of the way, we get to go forward. So what we're going to kind of touch on today, guys, is a little bit of history, and Sheena and I have not previously talked about this because I kind of wanted to, like, throw some of this history on her to get her reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... We're going to go over a little bit of the history, a little, a couple of scary things about mental health past, and then the reality of mental health in today's society. Um, Sounds good. So, starting with history, Sheena, what do you know about mental health in the past? Not much. I know there's a lot of people who are affected by it now with different conditions and, you know, diagnosis and things but um like how it originated and things like that no tell me about it okay so well it didn't really originate people people were born with it or it became something that happened but (laughs) um it didn't originate somebody to just wake up one day and say oh you know let's go ahead and (laughs) that would be so funny though right like i wish i could invent something that would just go this global um well, the aliens could have brought it. Right. Well, it's funny that you say that because mental illness historically was actually associated with demonic possession or evil spirits. So if really? you had a Yeah, so if you had a mental illness, you were possessed or you were demonic. And that's where electrocution came from because they were like, Oh, we can just shock the demons out of them. Using, <laughs> I they thought that that was possible, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so most of your like older methods of curing mental illness included like near death experience, like electrocution, and they would literally electrocute these people to the brink of death, and then be like, "Are you good now? Is the demon gone?" No, um, I'm about half dead. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, and because there was no success rates from electrocution because it didn't really work, mm-hmm. all of these mental hospitals became overcrowded. But just to throw a little history on that you might not know, and I only know this from there's a mental hospital here in Georgia that is really old and was like all over the news. Um, so just Google mental hospital Georgia people and you can find out all about it. But that was one of the things they were famous for, but they were famous because back in the day, if your husband decided that he was sick of you as a wife, guess what? What? All he had to do was drop you off at a mental institution and say, hey, man, she's crazy. And they kept you. Really? Yeah. It's not like how it is now where you stand on your own. and Yeah, and you stand on your own. Like nobody can, nobody can encapsulate me in a mental asylum. You know what I mean? Like I have to sign off on it. But back then, the husband made the rules. So they listened to him over whatever the wife would say. So, yeah, that was one of the easiest ways to get rid of your wife without having to kill her or divorce her. <laughs> so, so it caused no shame to the family. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-husband would like had me put in there like 12 times. Like he would have been like, she's crazy because she yelled at me for coming home late. Like I'm, that doesn't make me crazy, sir. That makes me hold you accountable. Like, right. <laughs> so, they gave, they gave, they gave uh, men too much power back then. They really did. They really did. Um, welcome into the live, Rose. We're um, we're live across multiple platforms, so please don't think that we're ignoring TikTok. We're just in multiple places. Um, <laughs> so, with um, so yeah. With that being said, it's one of those things where it's like you know, okay, well, I'm tired of my wife. She yells or nags too much, and let me just take her to the mental hospital. Say she's crazy, and they'll keep her. And they would. And if you look into a lot of these like mental asylums that were open way back then in the day and stuff, mm-hmm. um, then you will see that the wives that were then dropped off in mental hospitals and, and stuck there for the rest of their lives were stuck there and part of the overcrowding process. But at the point that they died, their husbands didn't come back to bury them. Really? So a lot of them ended up like mass burials. That's crazy. See, could you uh, see? And this is why I wasn't born in that generation because I would have been the person to be like, "I'm running away because you're not about to keep me locked up." (laughs) Um. So, and then let me give you a few more stats, and this is more about current mental health. Um, But mental health disorders affect 13 percent of the whole world's population. Okay, so. One in five people in the U.S., adult-wise, experience mental illness each year. One in 20 will experience a serious mental illness, meaning a mental illness they may not be able to ever change. Um, for instance, schizophrenia or something like that. They, you can control them to an extent, but you can't ever get rid of that. Um, and then I'm about to throw some numbers out there because... I don't know about other people, but I think about money with everything. I think about mental illness and my mental health, and I go, dang, that's expensive. You know, so with throwing that out there, let me go ahead and say each year, serious mental illnesses cost the U.S. $200 billion in lost earnings. Right, because people can't go to work. Right. Um, and then 50% of adults in the U.S. who have had a problem with substance abuse. 
have a mental illness. What does that tell you about substance abuse? It's they're part of mental to... illness. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not them just, they're trying to escape it. Whatever's going on. Yeah. Trying to escape and, what's in their mind. But can you really blame them? Because when you show up to pick up your medicine, how expensive can that be? Extremely expensive. If you don't have insurance because your mental illness hasn't allowed you to work, you know, you it's it's a horrible, horrible cycle that we go through every year. Um so and I just wanted to throw them statistics out there before we finish up on the history. And I did that for a very specific reason. So I want you to think about that as a now number. And now I want you to think about like the early 20th century, like years and years ago. So, you know, when things were like 10 cents. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I am decades, years and over the oceans years ago. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So, and after we go over this, y'all, we will dive a little bit more in um, to to mental illness and mental health. Um, and I'm going to open up a little bit more um, because I'm not a person with anything to hide. I've always been very open with people about my mental health problems. Um, but I wanted to go over this. And this is by HistoryCollection.com for anyone that wants to check them out. They do history on pretty much anything you can think of. Um, especially American history and strange history. And I love strange history. I don't know about other people, but I want to know all the stuff that they don't tell you on the tours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So this is 16 terrifying facts about mental asylums in the early 20th century. So this is where mental illness began. You know, this is where they originally started taking care of mental illness. When it's like, oh, so, it's a bigger problem than what it, we're, we're allowing it to be or something like that. Right. Well, even on top of that, this is when they were shocking people. Mm. You know, we put people to death in electric electric chairs. So we should also just treat their PTSD with it. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no. <laughs> could you imagine like just showing up Mm-mm. for a regular doctor's appointment and then being like, well, while you're here, <laughs> will you sit over in this chair for a minute? We just want to try something. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sir, I will not. <laughs> uh, um, my copay don't cover that. I'm sure no. it doesn't. <laughs> if it did, uh, I want it. <laughs> so doctors sent patients to asylums for non-mental health reasons. Hmm. So some of those would be things like, like I was telling you about the husbands that would drop their wives off there that they were done with. If your child was unruly and didn't listen, then there must be something wrong with them. Wow. They would get dropped off there. Uh-huh. Um, women that wanted to practice a different religion than their husband would get dropped off there. Any marital issue that they had whatsoever was reason for the courts or for the husband to drop off. The woman at an asylum. So those centers became what you call the scapegoat when you didn't want to deal with yep. it no more. You just dropped them well, off. Well, and the sad part is I was reading on a different article throughout the week um, about how a lot of children back then with ADHD, because they were considered defiant or unruly, would get sent to these asylums and spend their entire life being electrocuted. Um, 
And then, so let's go on to number 15. U.S. was the only country that built massive asylums. To I wonder why. And the same reason the U.S. built massive allowed. prisons. Yeah. They didn't think nothing was wrong with it and just allowed it to continue to happen. I mean, it was easier that way, right? Oh, that, that woman didn't listen to her husband and didn't cook him a steak for dinner, so she must be loony. Um, whew. And they were always really big. Like, for instance, they go on to say in this article about um, the one in Oregon that they built, and this was in the early... <clears throat> so sorry, guys. Um, this was back in the early 20th century. That one housed 2,400 adults. Hmm. So that's the size of a prison. That's crazy. It's almost like a prison. It is. I mean, it might as well be. You're getting electrocuted either way. On a daily basis, sounds like. Right. And that's that's so scary. It is. And then in these asylums, just like a prison, there was no privacy whatsoever. And by no privacy, that means their bathtubs. They bathed in front of people. They slept in front of people. There was no privacy whatsoever. That's so scary. Yeah, to be like watched 24-7. See, I just... Well, and then on top of that, you think like now we have like HIPAA law. So but could you, you imagine think that that would making the mental health worse by not having a peace of mind and all privacy? Oh, Absolutely. That's what drove people mad. Remember, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard people say this, but I said, remember, like, like you were there. And yeah. I say that because I remember when I was a teenager, I attempted suicide at one point and I went into an asylum. Well, not an asylum, but I went into like what they call, used to call charter where you're there for like a week as they stabilize you and, and get you set up with a good therapist and, and, you know, on medicine and stuff. So, um, when I was a teenager, I went through that and I remember every person in there saying to me, if you weren't crazy before you got here, you will be before you leave. Dang. And I was only there for a week. And they were right because it's like you're stripped of all your rights, all your thoughts, all your privacy. You're forced to talk to people you don't know about problems they couldn't possibly understand. And by the time you leave there, you feel so degraded and so helpless that you're almost more broken than at the point that you went in. And I don't know how else to explain that to people, but these are not the answer. I understand if they did like a three-day you know, medicine, something, and they do do that now, you know, but when I was an early teenager, it was like a, a five day minimum to go mm -hmm. into these places. Um, and I did a lot more than just that, actually. I mean, I am, um, I was in multiple programs after that to help me um, be able to get through high school and things like that without having to just quit. So, um, but these people with the no privacy thing, you know, we have HIPAA law now. Yeah. Could you imagine sitting around a group of women and everybody's in there and, and you have to talk about whatever and, and do whatever, but could you imagine them just like, you know, okay, I'm here because I told my husband, I believe in God. And so he said I was crazy and he dropped me off here. 
And then them sitting in front of other people saying that clearly you're schizophrenic because you believe in God. So all your business is just out there, all your diagnosis, everything that they say about you, everything you say about yourself, no privacy at all. So that's not right. Um, sorry, sorry for anybody on TikTok. I know you can see my dog now. She keeps popping in and out of the <laughs> the photo. She wants my attention. Um, she doesn't care what time our podcast is. By the way, she doesn't listen. She just shows up when she wants. So she says, um, "I run this house." She, listen, she hands down thinks she does. <laughs> Stop moving stuff, baby. Stop. Um, sorry, y'all. She was moving my desk. Um, so all patients had a mandated diet plan. So how so convenient they, is that? They can control their mental health out what they eat. Yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently. And so like with this stuff, it would be very strange. Like they would be given tea, bread with rancid butter, five prunes. <laughs> um and two eggs. And I'm so glad we involved because they was just winging it. They they just didn't know didn't know how to say I don't know what to do to fix mental health. Listen, but we and just all don't I give them think, man, prunes and they should be all right. You know, I feel like if that was you and me, okay, and we were stuck in an asylum as women that got dropped off by husbands or whatever, or in my opinion, an ex-husband at that point, you drop me <laughs> off somewhere and leave me. I definitely um, would be an ex. Right? So <laughs> let's say it's me and you there. You can't tell me that at some point you wouldn't be like, dang, Amanda, we can take these people. Right, because I'm getting out. Because I'm, yeah, I'm not fixing to sit there for the rest of my life and let you tell me I'm crazy for no reason. That makes right. no sense. And you're going to cure me by giving me some prunes. <laughs> right. Five. Five. <laughs> you only get five, ma'am. Calm down. Don't get excited. I don't want any uh, of them. <laughs> so one of the scariest things that they're saying that used to happen in these asylums is the screams that they would hear at night. That would so people would drive anybody crazy. Well, and people would say that they don't know where the screams were coming from. I know where they were, they were coming from, whoever they were electrocuting down right. in them chambers <laughs> trying to cure. That's where the screams was coming no, from. No. Um, that's, oh. All right, so I don't know what the next one is. I didn't read down this part earlier. Okay, now let me blow your whole mind. The workers didn't wear uniforms. What do they wear? Just regular clothes? Yeah, so how do you know who the workers are and who the other crazy people are? <laughs> Y'all just all mingling together? Well, after working <laughs> there, they probably crazy too. Like, I mean, wouldn't you become crazy if your job was to electrocute people every day? Like, See, I don't know if that would be considered like a regular job. Like, was there a special school you had to go to for that? To learn how to hit the switch? I mean, so is it just a switch? Because, you know, on the movies, they be making it look all intricate. They be like, doop, 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 doop. You gotta learn which button, how hard to press the button, how long to keep it pressed. I wonder how long your training is for that kind of position. Who signs up for that type of position? Like, when I grow up, I want to be... People that need to be in an asylum. Like, what do you call that role? 
electrocutioner. Administrative executioner, I guess. <laughs> I'm an electric. I'm a coordinator of the electrocution. <laughs> what an electric, an electrical engineer at the asylum. See, we was gonna. We said we was gonna make this fun, funny, but that that little part, like, it's unbelievable. It blows my mind that they really thought that that would work. Like, I don't understand who was like. Listen, in there's really weird treatments. If you like, take some time and want to dig down the rabbit hole. We could like do a a, a follow up episode where we do dig down this rabbit hole. <laughs> but there's more than just that. Like, they will put needles in people's eyes. See, they're doing the most. I mean, I and, guess, I mean, what does that cure? Nothing. I mean, I guess they have to just do stuff to figure it out because they don't know unless you do it. But I guess, I mean, I don't understand. Like, I don't think that that was the right way to go. Or that even, like, who thought that that would even help? That's See, and that's... That should be torture in somebody's mind. Like, how do you it has break to be. somebody's mental health by torture them? Like, that makes no sense. Like, maybe they break and just become better? Like, who sat there? What doctor was like, okay, to fix and cure all these people with this mental health issues? We gotta electrocute them. We torture them. And then they would be cured. They'd be normal. They'd be 75% (laughs) normal. I want to know where that doctor went to school. Right. Like, I don't trust doctors no more. They go to that or read that book. Like, what medical book has, like, to cure depression, you got to electrocute them three out of five days. <laughs> All right. So we do this on every podcast. On every podcast, I say, hey, if you know anybody with this, reach out to me. Listen, if you know anybody with a medical book from the early 1900s, Ying Yang, the podcast needs to read it. We need a copy of that medical book. Right. We want to look some <laughs> things up. We got some questions, questions. we need to dig right. into. Right. Cause... So remember that organ facility that I was telling you had 20, could hold 2,400 patients? Yeah. So, you know, they overcrowded that. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. It was Everybody supposed was to be just crazy back then. Like, they were. There was supposed the to be rules, two people in every room crazy. and they put 10. So basically, if you didn't follow the rules, you were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's the only reason you wouldn't follow the rules. It's not because you're not allowed to have an opinion as a female back then, especially. So these were like seven by 14 feet rooms. So think about the size of your kitchen. A normal kitchen. If you got a huge kitchen, then it might actually fit 10 people in it. But think of a normal kitchen. It's a seven by 14 foot area. You know, your open space in the kitchen. Now imagine 10 women sleeping in that room. Enough to draw somebody completely insane. Right. No privacy. No, I ain't got no space. You in my, you in my personal space because we sleeping on top of each other at this point. And then on top of that, if you talk back to the people that run the place, which you're not sure who they are because they wear regular clothes, then they decided that you must be on other drugs besides the ones they were providing. And they would strip, strip, make you strip and run tests on you in front of everybody else. Oh, that's such a. I'm telling you, I would, I would go to jail for murder in that, a place like that. 
I would. Yeah. And I don't I don't really know if I'm allowed to say that on I'm sorry, um people across CIA. the platforms. What's it? The FBI <laughs> gonna come down and just told you about the, the CAIIA. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, ma'am, I don't even know who that organization is. <laughs> but if they come after me, y'all know Sheena called it, all right? Right. So if the right. CAIA comes against me, mm-hmm. y'all know Sheena knew about it a- ahead of time. So right. I'm telling you, I got the inside track. Me and the aliens be talking. So when doctors were having a lot of problems with patients, um, especially if patients came in with like an infection like syphilis or some kind of STD, even though, you know, it's curable to an extent, they would just treat them using, injecting them with malaria. So, <laughs> so I guess it's easier just to kill them off. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, they would put malaria into the bloodstream of patients that had syphilis or any other like disease to, they said it would, they did it to kill off the syphilis infection, but really they're just giving the patient malaria and killing them. I'm about to say, wouldn't the malaria kill them instead? Yeah, it would. Cause I mean, it would leave like, so this article is going on to say that 15% of the people that were treated with malaria died. Um, And at least four out of every five patients was sick in bed with malaria during that time. Um, And they would be sick for weeks in bed. That was not very smart. So... We know about we know about electrocution. Um, another thing that they would do to help cure patients is branding. Have you ever heard of branding? Yeah. So yeah, they would just be burned with these hot iron rods. It's another form of torture. <laughs> they say it began to die off around the twentieth century. Because I realized um, that shit didn't work. I mean, what would it, what would you logically think it would do? Besides, make them more. <sighs> I, I I don't understand. That's why it was in the 1900s, and definitely right. not now. That's why I wasn't born back there because, like, this makes no sense. I would have been like, "You're not gonna electrocute or burn me." Like, I am. So, and do you know what spinning is? No. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you actually think mental health treatments are either... I mean, obviously, there are better now cause, because we're not, you know, electrocuting people. But with the prescription load that they put on people, is it even more moral? Or even if it's, you know, better than what they were doing back then because now they don't electrocute people but they overload them on medication so you know what we're gonna stop with this right now and let's go ahead and hit that subject because that's that's a great question sheena and my opinion of that i don't know what yours is so i'll go ahead and share mine first and then you can you can tell me if yours is the same is i have um mental health issues Uh, well i don't want to say issues because they're not issues um any well i don't want to say they're not anyways I have mental, I have mental illnesses. Um, 
And one of the big ones that I speak on very openly um, across all of my platforms is BPD. Um, and for people who know that is, that's borderline personality disorder. Um, and it doesn't mean I have split personalities. That's not what borderline personality disorder is. Everybody always just assumes that. It's not that at all. So more or less, it means I have a really big problem regulating my emotions. Um, and it's hard. Um, I spent years on medication for PTSD. I also have something called social phobia, which is the fear of embarrassment, um, which is a really big thing. You see, I'm on live, so clearly I don't embarrass myself often enough or whatever. Um, and then the other thing is, um, and then I also, so PTSD, social phobia, BPD, and major depression were the things that I was diagnosed with as a teenager. With that being said, I was so heavily medicated through my teen years that as an adult now, I can't tell you much about them. Um, I spent a lot of time sleeping. I spent a lot of time just dealing with the doctors and dealing with the therapists and trying to make it through each day that I don't remember literally years of my life. Um. It wasn't until, and this is at no fault to my parents. They were trying to do whatever was best for me to help me get through what I was going through during that time. You know, so for me, it was the fault of the doctors. They, they want, it was easier to over-medicate me and make me calm down than to listen to what I was trying to say to them. And that's the sad part. So I strongly believe in the moment that I was out of my parents' house and completely on my own, I took myself off all of that medicine. Now, it was rough. For a couple of years, I was in and out. I had moments that, you know, I, I would become suicidal. I, I, I struggled really hard. And then I went to school. And I used school and my education to make sure that I was, sorry, y'all. My dog is trying to entice me with toys. <laughs> she is bringing me toys to try to get me to get off of here to play with her. So, um, but she just came over and rang a bell and then dropped the toy. Like, couldn't get it. Um, so anyways, um, during that time, as soon as, you know, as soon as I was starting to realize that I could go to school and I could learn about this. Hello, Josh. Welcome into the live. Um, Hi. when I was able to go to school and start learning my own triggers, I was realizing at that point that I had all the power. I feel like if you do have a mental illness and you have the capabilities to do research for more natural things to help, like learning your triggers, learning treatments, things like that, I think it's so much better for you than the medicine that they prescribe because all medicine have side effects, True, you know, and even if the side effect is something like, oh, it makes me tired. Well, that's a problem because mental health and mental illnesses already make you tired. Mm -hmm. Very fatigued. Right. So it's one of those things like, what do you do about it? And what is your opinion on medication with mental illnesses, Sheena? I, I mean, I really think that they do. They throw the medication at you. And I have my own battles, you know, growing up, too, with depression. And now I'm dealing with anxiety, massive distress major depression and PTSD. So I understand where you're coming from and went through the same cycle with the medication. I think 
you need to where where you have more like counselors and therapy without the medications to do to talk through it. I think that approach may be helpful more so to find the root cause of it in order before throwing the medication at it. A lot of doctors just like, oh, you got anxiety. Oh, you're kind of depressed. Let me describe this to you without even, you know, reaching out to the therapy or finding if you need like counseling to talk through your issue or why you have the issue before you just automatically put someone on medication. I think that's what they do now. And I, yeah, I agree that it is a over heavily medicated population. More so probably because the pharmaceutical companies make big dollars off of medication. So doctors going to first push that medication. Then if you have a problem with the medication, like side effects and stuff, then they're like, oh, well, you might need therapy or you might need to see a counselor or, we, you know, you can change this medication. Let's add this to this. And now, now you have like anxiety, but you're on like three different medications for it. Like it's it's crazy. Well, let me ask you this then. So. With what you just said, you know, because I agree 100%. Um, we have somebody that just commented um, in the Facebook that said, get a switch and whoop yourself. <laughs> like, get it back together. And I mean, honestly, um, I agree. I mean, but that's what, and that's what I was saying. Like, that's what I did. You know, I learned my triggers. I learned how to control them. I learned when I'm at my breaking point and at what point I need to say, hey, I can't do this alone. I'm not safe. Help me. Um, I'm I'm one of the few people out here that's extremely lucky to have the mother that I have, Um, you know, because regardless of what I have going on in my life, my mom will come out of nowhere and be like, hey, are you safe? And for us, that's a that's not a, you know, hey, is somebody at your door with a gun? That's a, hey, are you mentally safe right now or do you need do you need me? Do you need companies? Do you need, and that's the the best thing that my family could have ever done for me growing up because it was a way to ask if I was okay without saying, "Hey, are you all right?" or "Hey, is how how's your brain feeling?" and things like that. Because one of the hardest parts, especially dealing with depression or post traumatic stress disorder, which is PTSD, is if somebody's constantly going, "You are right today," it makes you more depressed. Yeah. Because then you acknowledge why they're even asking you that. So Mm -hmm. it's so much easier when someone's like, hey, are you safe? Because no, I might not be okay. And I might be having a horrible day, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do something crazy. It doesn't mean I'm going to take that final step and hurt myself. You know, so are you safe is a much better way to ask it for some people. Um, But with you, you know, what you just said about the medicine, you know, we're asking, you know, do we think that the the doctors over-medicate now? Would you prefer the medicine to the electrocution or the branding? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather take a pill than get electrocuted. <laughs> I don't like pain. Listen, don't electrocute me. Don't burn me or nothing. Like, nah. Thank you, Josh, for blowing <laughs> up our live. We appreciate you so much. We got Josh giving us love over on the live. Thank you. So, and... That that's one of the biggest things, you know, yeah, we we have come a long way from where we used to be. Yeah. Um as a as a whole, as a world I mean, when yeah, it comes to mental health. We did come health. a long way, but I still feel like we have a long way to go. Uh, yes, extremely. Well, you know what then? You said it. So tell me, what do you think should change? 
the fact okay we came a long way so from the electrocuting and the branding and we came a long way we got the medication now but that's better than electrocuting people is giving them appeal but i think that needs to be re-ramped because we don't need three or four different medication for one issue Right, but what if that medication interacts with a different medicine you already take or it doesn't work for you because you have this disorder? That's why I think there's so many medicines. But I need to find an alternative to treating mental health without medication. Like, not all disorders need medication. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that it's complete BS that they prescribe every single person anxiety meds. You know, you can go in there and be like, hey, I know exactly what's wrong with me. I have abandonment issues. This is why. This is how it could be fixed. And they'll be like, well, here, let me give you some anxiety meds. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, you're just zombifying the world. And I completely agree with. Let me give you I, some think I, I think that you pronounce your name Tyrese. And if I'm saying that wrong, please announce the pronunciation for me in the chat. But Tucker, I'm going to go with Tucker for now state of natural medicine and that I wholeheartedly believe that. So that's what I was going to say. I'm not going to say that there shouldn't be medicines or things like that. Um, I just think we should go a more natural route. Like for instance, that, um, that mushroom coffee that I did the business spotlight on last week, y'all that has a certain kind of mushroom in it that helps you with focus and energy. I might need some of that. I re- I would love for you to try. And if you don't buy any before I see you next time, I will bring you some. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it really does help. Try it out. Um, it's $30 to start it. And it comes with the little stir and all that, all the instructions on how to do it. Um, it's great. Um, but my biggest thing with it is it was a natural way to give me the energy that I need. Um, and anyone that knows me knows I've been struggling with energy for like a year. What? Um, me so, too. yeah. So this coffee, like tired. it, literally changed how I felt. But not just energy wise. It helped with focus and helped with all of those things. So, um, I think everything needs to be moved towards more of a natural healing platform because we need to get away from the the you know pharmaceutical companies pushing these man-made drugs because of the side effects where you know way back in the day when it was adam and eve we had gardens we had the earth we lived off the land so why can't we do that now you have your herbs and your because it takes away the sense of control think about it do you really think the government is ever going to allow us to have anything that takes away their sense of control. What yeah, is but why give do? me a drug? You're going to prescribe me three different drugs to fix my one anxiety problem, but has side effects that cause me to have kidney failure or 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 other stuff, liver, whatever the side effects is, migraines, headaches. So now I have to be treated for another medical condition because you didn't give me some pill to fix one thing, but you messed up something else. When you could have just gave me a herb or a tea or something 
they calm my nerves and my liver or my kidney would be intact. Or they could have teached you breathing methods. There's so many other yeah, ways. Yeah, yes, Josh in our, up in our TikTok just commented that it's a moneymaker. And he's absolutely right. I mean, this money, it provides it, all this money that we spend on drugs provides the government with so much more money. Right. Because so, you're charging ten thousand dollars you know well you think about your seven hundred dollars for i can actually give you the perfect example even though it's not for mental health like diabetes medicine so insulin runs about nine hundred and eighty dollars for a month supply for those of you that don't know now my insurance would cover so much of that to the point where it would drop it down to 50 bucks a month for me so my insurance is covering like 950 bucks i'm covering the other 50 um do you logically think that there's not money going back into the government's pot? Like that doesn't even make sense. But what I think when it comes to mental health is not only getting back to the root of how we should be, but teaching people coping mechanisms that don't involve pills. I mean, I, I'm a lucky case in my opinion, because I did have such a good support system and I did find out my mental illnesses at a very young age. Um, So I was able to attack that to the best of my ability. But like, for instance, you know, you just said a little while ago, you know, it's not, it's not like you known your whole life, you had anxiety, you know, you found out later in life. And then they threw you on a bunch of medicines at once. Logically, you probably don't need any of those medicines. Right. You know, and I'm, work on I can't triggers. tell people what to do. I know it's illegal in some states, but honestly, I just think you need to sit back and smoke and I think you'd be fine. <laughs> that's my opinion, you know, because your anxiety levels, because that's the reality of the situation. That's a natural thing. You know, so do you anybody, think we will have less mental health issues if they made marijuana legal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because think about it. I mean, what? What do people on pot do? Relax. (laughs) Yeah, they chill out. They talk to their friends. They love the people around them. They wait for the stop sign to turn green. They're not out (laughs) causing havoc. Right. They're not not as worried about those things. You know, and and people can say whatever they want about, oh, you're going to create a country of this and that. How many times did you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, they went out and smoked a buttload of pot and then robbed a bank? No, they didn't. Unless inside that bank there was a Hershey bar. <laughs> you know, they, they don't needed care to get about to. those things. I, I can see that. I can see that. And that's one of the biggest things. And it doesn't even have to just be that. But there are so many natural ways to deal with a mental health situation. And, and mental health isn't something that goes away. Like... I'm going to share something slightly personal, but you know, I recently found out some, some news and I'm not going to go on and share it or anything like that, but I found out some news that made me really sad. And for the first time in like, I don't know, 10 years, I had to stop and reevaluate myself and question my own mental health and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, Amanda, are you all right? Like, do you need to go talk to somebody? Do you need to you know, evaluate yourself. Should you reach out to someone? You know, and I had to do that because every time something in your life comes up, if you have some kind of mental illness like anxiety or PTSD or things like that that trigger something from your past that created that mental illness to begin with, mm-hmm. you are going to have to reevaluate yourself every single time. And I can tell you that for the first time in 
six years, I took an anxiety pill. Mm. Now, I, I'm prescribed these pills regardless every 30 days. I don't take them. My doctor knows I don't take them. My doctor knows that I hate them um, because they just make me completely tired and I just want to go to sleep. But I woke up at 4 a.m. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And I spent hours digging into stuff on the internet. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I have to calm down. So I took the pill. And again, it put me to sleep. You know, it gave me the best three-hour nap of my life. (laughs) And then I woke back up. But when you wake up from those kinds of medicines, you're drowsy. You know, you're tired. It's hard to get anything done. You can't focus anymore. So those are the side effects of that kind of medicine and that kind of situation is that it can and it will affect you later, which is why I don't like taking any kind of mental health medication if I can avoid it. Now, for like my BPD, there's not there's not a medicine for that. That's a completely trigger related thing. There's no cure. There's no pill. There's no you just deal with it. Um, but couldn't couldn't majority of the mental health conditions be cured or or treated with learning your triggers and counseling versus medication? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's that's what I was kind of explaining earlier is in order to pull myself off of medicine when I was in my early twenties. I realized that the only way that I'd be able to do that and live a somewhat normal life, what what other people call normal, I don't think anyone's normal, but what other people call normal and what other people call a productive member of society, um, I realized that I had to stop taking that medicine. But in order to stop taking it, I had to figure out what it was that would trigger those mental episodes in my head that would make me break down. Once you figure out your triggers, you can pretty much accomplish anything. I agree. Um, you got it all about learning yourself. You got to know yourself internally. Well, and you got to know what, what it came from. You know, if you don't know what the source of the problem is, you can't fix the problem. It's, it's the same with like like maintenance people. You know, you can't stop the leak if you don't know where the leak is coming from. Do you think some people just choose not to? figure it out or just block that part out and rather take medication so they want to deal with it doesn't work for every situation though like i can tell you um people with schizoaffective disorder that's not something you can learn your triggers and i know that because you know my sister openly has a disorder um she's always been very open with people about it um but I can tell you just from growing up with a sister with schizoaffective disorder that, and schizoaffective disorder, for those that don't know, is schizophrenia and bipolar together. So mm-hmm. it, it can create like paranoid delusions and um, a lot of really scary things if you don't know what's going on. Like when she was first finding out she had it, she had no idea. Um, so, but I can tell you with her, if she is not on her medicine, she is not my sister. And that's not me being mean or me being hateful. She just doesn't act like her. She's really hurtful. She's, you know, something, but she doesn't mean to be, you know, it's just, it's, she will get these ideas in her head and then she'll decide that they're true. Now, when she's on her medicine, she is a hundred percent that person. Mm. Um, and, and Tucker, um, over on our Facebook live, I completely agree. Awareness is a big part of mental health. 
You know, if you don't take the time, then if you don't take the time to get to know your your triggers or, or the awareness that you have, there is no way for you to overcome it forward. Yeah, you can. And then, um, you know, I have a question in my chat about where did I get this awesome cup? And this awesome cup came from my boss for my (laughs) birthday, guys. I just want to point it out right there. Um, so it says in full, sometimes you forget that you're awesome. So this is your reminder. Awesome. And you get to have coffee in it. Right? Girl. That's, the only thing I realized about it is that it has like the gold ring around the top. Mm-hmm. And that means it can't go in the microwave. But that's okay. It's um, pour coffee in it. So that's a win-win. And <laughs> um, I just thought it was kind of a perfect cup for tonight. You know, reminder that everyone is awesome. I mean, yes. And I don't, I don't mean that in a corny way. I'm, we're all different. Um, but mental health awareness, just jump back over there. Um, yeah, the I think biggest... there needs to be more awareness for mental health, more light shined on it. Absolutely. More to be done. I mean, I see that there's a lot of progression and there's a lot being done now, especially with employers, you know, acknowledging it more than they ever did before. And wanted to give their employees um, self-care days, mental health day, and I was okay. Give them extra PTO. It should be, you know, just like you get PTO for sick days. You should have PTO for mental health days as well. Well, and you do. Like, it also, it really depends on the industry you're in and the boss you have. Like, I don't know about other people, but if you can't call your boss and say, listen, I can't do this mentally today, you are working for the wrong person. You know, and I have days that are absolutely horrible and I still deal with them. And I have days that are really good and I just don't know if I can make it through it. Like it just, it really depends. But if, if I ever, now my integrity is typically intact. So I know that if I ever called my boss and said, listen, mentally, I cannot handle this today anymore. I need to, I need to go home. Then she would absolutely hundred percent and say, go home. You know, she wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be a conversation about that. Just like, I know if I called out and said, listen, I really just need a mental health day. I can't do this. Then she absolutely would turn around and be like, okay, no problem. We'll figure it out from there. So if you don't work for that kind of company or that kind of boss, then you are working for the wrong company because your mental health literally depends on how much you can do productive wise for that company. So if you're in a bad headspace, think about it. Like Sheena, okay, you've been in a lot of different kinds of positions over the last like 10 years. So think about all of those positions. Um, and then ask yourself how many times you would have been able to tell one of those bosses you need a mental health day to start. Very few, maybe about one. There's and some how companies many that, yeah, that just like, if you didn't come to work, you was just, you just had to come to work. It was all about, you know, numbers, the bottom line. Right. So now think about on days that you had a panic attack halfway through the day or days that you were super emotional and didn't know what you were going to do to get through the day or you were choking back tears because you were super sad because something triggered something inside your body. How much work did you get done after that point? 
None. Couldn't right. focus. You can't focus. But then some jobs won't even let you leave early or go home because you don't have the PTO. So then you have, you're stuck with, oh, should I just go home because I can't mentally focus and get rolled up, which is going to cause more stress and, you know, frustration and anxiety because you're worrying about your job security now. Because, like, if I decide to go home because I need a break, I'm going to come back to a write up. I might come back to, you know, being on probation or this might cost me my job because or if you wake up that morning and can't do it and you want to call out, then you're worried about like the same thing. Am I going to get rolled up or do I have the time? Because most people don't have not everybody has a job where they have paid time off or they can afford to take a time off. So you got those families, those members of society that works the job that doesn't offer PTO and they can't afford to miss a day and so they can't afford to take a mental health day even though they need it because they got bills and kids to take care daycare to pay rent to pay the lights to pay food to put on that table so most people because I've been there you can't stop like I've been there mm-hmm. working a job where I had to work like I couldn't afford not to work so I just had to suck it up yes there was plenty of days I needed a mental health day I go went up woke up or get to work was like I cannot do this today but I did it anyway I didn't perform my best and probably was the day I didn't hit productivity or I didn't like you know reach the deadline or the goal that I achieved because my head wasn't in the right space but I couldn't afford not to go to work so I just went did the best I can it wasn't my best but I showed up because I couldn't afford not to show up. So one of the best companies that I have read about over the years that I think is, has, has the absolute best plan for this, and I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but Google. So if you work for Google, um, which you know is out there in California, um, if you work for Google, they have something called Flex Days. Where if you get into work and you work for a few hours and something happens or something's messing with your brain, that... You can leave. Mm. They just ask that you come back when you're in the right headspace and get your 40 hours in each week. That's why I like remote jobs, too, because some people just can't function in the office. And now you have the opportunity to work remotely and they're more comfortable in the space. You know, people who don't want to leave the house and Mm -hmm. and they work better. So you have, I like the fact that you have options and I like the fact that Google does that too. Yeah. I love the flex, the, they call it flex time, the flex time idea. And I, you see a lot of yeah. jobs do that now. I know that Amazon has a similar like program. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how theirs works. I know that Google created that though. And, and they were really excited when they launched it. And they said that their productivity in the first year went up by 200%. Right, and that's proof if you're in the right headspace. Yeah, you know, and that's like one of the things I love about my job is you know I work my regular hours, but I'm but I'm salary, so I'm also one of those people where sometimes you have to go in on a Saturday, or you have to stay late to get things done and things like that. But there's no expectation on when that is. That is, you know, if I know I got to go in and catch up, I can go in and do that at five a.m. on a Saturday morning when I can't sleep because. My dog wakes me up way too early. Um, You know, and things like that. Like, flex time is one of the best ideas that companies could do for productivity, especially, like, warehouse jobs. 
mm-hmm. or things like could, could you imagine working in a warehouse where you like all you do is press a button every 10 minutes all day long and i say that because i know somebody that does that um she sits on the stool and she presses a button every 10 minutes on the minute could you imagine breaking up with your significant other on your lunch break and then having to come back and remember to do that every 10 minutes no, your mind is going to be not on that button. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest pieces of mental health and, and mental health awareness is that you're, you not only listen to the people around you, but you acknowledge them. I'm going to put this out there for everyone to hear. And I'm usually not this person. But if anyone ever comes to me and tells me that they came to you and they told you that they we're having some kind of breakdown and you didn't immediately try to help them get help. I don't care who, what, when, why, and where you and I are no longer friends. If you're not willing to help someone that needs help with mental, with a mental situation, we're friends. We're not friends. And right. I will always be that way. 150% because I did always have a very strong support system that I can't think of any one reason that a person would come to me and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about suicide or, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, harming myself or, or hey, I, I'm struggling with this panic attack and me just go, oh, grow up. I can't stand that. Me either. Because it's like, clearly I'm more grown than you. I cannot stand that. If you don't understand, then don't comment at all. Just Just say say that. that. Say, I don't understand how you feel. How can I help? That's all you got to well, say. You know what? I think everybody at least needs to have that the um the text number or the the hotline. So if you don't know what to say, you can at least give them that number. Or like, hey, reach out to this person. Do you know what that number hotline. is? Yeah, nationally the number, now. Then um the text number if you text seven four one seven four one, you can get a crisis worker. So, and then I don't know if anyone knows this, but last year, uh, it was either last year or 2021, but one of those two years, they, um, they created, you know, there's 911 for emergencies across the board, but Mm -hmm. 988 is now the emergency line for you to call in crisis. Now these people can help with anything. And all you got to do is hit 988. That's all you got to do. Right. And that's easy to remember. You answer the phone and they'll be there to talk to you. And I can tell you, if you're ever around me. And you come to me and you say, hey, I have this problem. I'm going to ask you, are you coming to me for advice or are you coming for me to me to get help? And if you're coming to me to get help, I'm calling 988. You know, because well, they're I'd rather you tell somebody to call. I'd rather you just tell somebody to call 988 or put them into a hotline to where they can get help versus you say something to push them over the edge. Right. And that's, well, that's the biggest thing. You know, if you're not mentally equipped, you know, I I have a degree. So if I want to have that conversation with you, I will. I will, you know, of course, start it with I am not a licensed physician, you know, but I do know psychology. So if we want to, if you want to have a conversation, I'll sit with you all day long. And I don't care how long it takes. I have no problem working through those things with you. Yeah, me You know. The flip side to that is not everyone is me. So if you are struggling at all, or if someone you know is struggling, just send them the link to call the number. She explained that the text line number, you can text if you prefer to to, to text instead of talk. 
there are so many options out here. And I also want to make it really clear about some of those options in today's day and age. You know, um, if anyone saw our business spotlight today, that was ThriveWorks. So ThriveWorks is one of the many virtual options that you have. ThriveWorks does accept all major insurances. So, you know, your Blue Cross Blue Shields, your Medicaid, things like that. They accept all of that. And you can do your therapy online in a video session just like this um, so that you don't have to go in somewhere. And for a lot of people like me, you know, I work in multiple places, multiple different days and things like that. So that's one of the best options for someone like me because of the flexibility with it. I know that I can get them on my phone if I need my therapist immediately. Um, yeah, because most works... of them text now. Like, they have a number that you can text if you need to mm-hmm. ask a question or you need an emergency session. And yep. a lot of them have flexibility to where if you have to work your eight hours a day, your nine to five, like, they have later times where you can always, even times on the weekend to where you can, you know, pretty much, they pretty much work to accommodate you and your schedule so you can get the help that you need. Right. Right. And that's, there are so many options out there now. And and the saddest part, and and if any of you are going through this, I need you to know that if you reach out to Ying Yang, the podcast inbox, I will never turn you away. I I will do everything that I can to help you only because I know there are so many people out there that didn't have the same benefits I had had of a supported family. You know, I know a girl Mm-hmm. that I went to school with who did end up taking her life later in, in years. And her parents used to tell her that mental illness wasn't real, that she made it up in her head. That is the worst thing you can do for someone that is struggling. Because not only do they then feel crazy, but they feel unvalidated. Well, you and know, a lot you, of families don't acknowledge it. as A lot of cultures don't acknowledge yeah. it. The African-American culture being one of the biggest. Yeah, they don't. It makes it hard for you to open up or say, I have a problem, I have an issue, or I need help because it's frowned upon. Right. It's like, why should I say something that's going to get me in trouble? You know, And see, you shouldn't think like that. And you shouldn't think like And that's the saddest part. I... I understand that because I think everyone kind of has that fear at first. I had that fear when I was young, you know, when I, when I was young and and with my first suicide attempt and things like that, my parents didn't even know I was struggling. You know, I just kind of came out of nowhere and, and tried to take my life. (laughs) And they, um, they were like, Hey, uh, what's going on? You know, nothing happened to you. And it was hard for me because it was like, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that you didn't want anything to happen to me. And it wasn't their fault that I felt like that. You know, it was the other things around me, the people around me that were telling me I was crazy, the people around me that were saying, you know, nothing in life is that bad. But when you're a 13 year old girl, (laughs) everything in your life is that bad. So (laughs) um, there's been a lot of strides in, in mental health and in therapy and in your options. There are even online therapy type classes you can take. That can teach you about your triggers. I'm not allowed to tell you where to find them, but Google them. That's all you got to do. Google, you know, help me with my anxiety. Google it. Um, because there's so much offered now for free 
for people. And then if you are really struggling and you don't have insurance, they, all you got to do is reach out to your local county mental health department. Go from there. That's the best advice I can give you is if you're struggling and you don't know where to turn, call 988 and they will help you figure it out from there. Period. Awesome. So with that being said, we are going to go ahead and end tonight's live. But again, anybody, if no one will listen to you and you need help and you're too afraid to call 988, hit our inbox. We're right here. You can find us pretty much any platform. But if you hit our inbox on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, we're going to respond. But even on top of that, our email is yingyangthepodcast at gmail or info at yingyangthepodcast.com. So either one, you, you can go straight to our website. Sheena or I will respond as quickly as we, as quickly as earthly possible because we'll right. both see the messages come in. So mm-hmm. with that being said, I want you all to have a wonderful night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And within 24 hours, we'll be uploaded. Until next week, Sheena and me are just two people. People. Two, two opinions. opinions. Real talk. Real talk. Y'all have a good night. Good night.